He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the transparent truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom, Miracle Mile. I'm in the studio, feeling good on a Tuesday, recording live. I don't have my partner in here with me, but I do have him on the line as always. Greg Biggins, 247 National Recruiting Analyst. How do you do it? How do I do it? I love that you're now in this space, Keith. I love it. GB. I feel like Ugh. I feel like it's taken our relationship to a new level of respect. <laughs> You now you now see see how difficult it is when you're dealing with young hormonal 16, 17, 18 and yes even 19 year old kids and it's their parents and their parents and the parents the fathers and of quarterbacks the handlers and the and parents and the handlers sure those I'll tell you two what, yes yes the quarterback dad is its own unique I've said it before I'll say it again species the most unique species <laughs> yes and the whole animal um, the whole animal kingdom I'm talking cheetahs lions bears oh my yeah the dad of the quarterback is the most unique and complex individual in this animal kingdom that we live in yeah there's there's no doubt about it Greg my Involvement in my role in the Pro Football Hall of Fame All-American Game, dubbed the World Bowl, has definitely led me down a road less traveled, and probably less traveled for a reason. Uh, let me guess. You're going to have kids that commit and back out. You're going to have kids that will get back to you in a timely basis. You're going to have kids that promise you this and can't deliver. They commit to it. They'll get their paperwork in. You're going to have all kinds of stuff like this. It's only going to get worse, Keith. Say your prayers, my guy. Pray it up every night because you're going to need it. <laughs> this, that's funny you say that. No, it's, it's been a process. It's, it's been a challenge. But nevertheless, um, I am as relentless as um, a lot of people hope to be. And um, even though we've had some challenges, we definitely have a terrific group of players that we're really excited about coming down to Mexico City to put on a show for the Mexican fans and fans across the world considering the game's going to be shown in 20 different countries on CBS Sports Network. So we're excited about that. But let's move along, Greg Biggins. We have the Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. A lot of recruiting going on, Greg. I've heard so many things over, I guess, maybe the last 24 hours. Urban Myers getting ready to step down after the Rose Bowl. GB, you got recruiting. You're the guy. Hit us with it. You know, there's so much. I'm probably going to forget half of it. Yeah. It's every, I feel like every day something new happens. I guess the big news, and obviously this is going to air on a Wednesday, but are you are you live on YouTube right or Facebook? YouTube, no, one of those no, no, I'm not live on anything right now. Okay. So this is going to be Wednesday. So Sean Ryan, big-time offensive yes. lineman from San Juan Hills, Probably the top O lineman out west this year. Really good prospect. Committed to UCLA. And I've said it before, man, this is one of the most interesting, unique kids I've ever covered. Uh, no Twitter, no social media, doesn't do interviews, doesn't uh, 
really like that part of it, which is kind of refreshing from the, you know, constant, I'm the number one guy in the world Amen. and beating your chest on Twitter. Yes. This guy is good, and I know you've seen him, and we yeah. both love Chris Murray, who started the whole year as a true freshman. Right. But Sean Ryan is a is a bigger, better athlete. Doesn't have the, the technique or the coaching that Chris Murray got out of high school. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, but this is a guy who can also come in and start as a true freshman for UCLA. Mentioned it last week, what a great job the O-line coach did, Justin Fry, with uh, you know with Boss Tagaloa and Chris Murray, and then a, a couple other guys who... You know, I just don't look like a bunch of NFL guys. Right. But Sean Ryan is a difference maker. I guess the biggest compliment I could give him was this is an Alabama-level player. I mean, he's that kind of guy who can come in. He's 6'5", he's 3'10", he's athletic, he's he's tough, he's physical, he, he's a- aggressive and mean and angry, and he's a powerful human being. The only question I have, and it's not a question I just don't know because I don't know the kid that well, is does he love football? You know, does he have that hunger that sometimes you can know a kid, you can kind of see that. But with Sean, you just don't know anything about him. So he's just so unorthodox. You kind of just wonder, like, is he going to love the grind that you have to have? But from a physical standpoint, man, Keith, this guy is really, really good. There's no question about it, Greg. When I saw him two years ago for the first time, his first game his sophomore year, I thought he was the best two-way lineman in the country in his class. That's how highly... Uh, I thought of Sean Ryan. His projection was through the roof. He looked like J.J. Watt on offense. He looked like Andrew Whit. Excuse me, J.J. Watt on defense. He looked like Andrew Whitworth on offense. And he just was going to be an all-time great. His body is now developed into more of an offensive lineman, but he still has the athleticism, athletic ability, the explosiveness of a as, of a vertical defensive tackle, but playing offensive tackle. A tremendous frame, very quick feet. Very, very aggressive and is a nasty finisher after contact. Sean Ryan, as you stated, could be a difference maker, not only at UCLA on the offensive line, but I think he could be if his attitude is is what we would like to see in terms of a guy who loves football and a guy who has visions of, of, of taking a team to the conference title. He could be a culture changer there, um, along with a couple other guys like Dorian Thompson Robertson and such. You know, Chris Murray at UCLA. They could do something special with Sean Ryan on that offensive line. And um, like you said, Coach Fry did an excellent job this past year, and it's only going to get better if the recruiting continues to trend upward for the Bruins. Also across town, this is this is kind of a one that caught me off guard, and uh, I don't get cut off guard too often. But Narbon, offensive guard, Kalini Levi committed to USC and it was kind of funny I was talking to Michael Clayton who handles all the recruiting at Narbonne does an awesome job and he actually told me that this guy Cellini has probably been their best offensive lineman all year he took a visit uh, for the basketball game on Saturday with Jonah Tawanu who's an Oregon commit but he's still being recruited by USC Clay Helen offered him at the basketball game and Levi committed on the spot and it was like so sudden that it's like the kid didn't even know for sure, okay, so am I really committed right now? So they check with USC and go, hey, did Tulane really commit? And they're like, yeah, dude, we love him. He's, he's in. So Tulane and the Levi, you know, 6'3", 3'10", uh, 305, real athletic, watch the film, good feet, and uh, kind of out of the radar guy, he came from Hilo, Hawaii. So he didn't get to Narbonne until July. Right. So he played the whole year, and, and like I said, probably their, their most physical lineman, um, real strong kid, and the thing that I think people raved about him on the Norbon staff was his ability to pass block. And, you know, it sounds like USC's going to go with an, an air raid type of offense, which should be a lot of fun to watch with JT and those receivers. And so they wanted guys that can pass block. 
And obviously, Narbon is in the shotgun, what, 95% of the time. And, and so I think they feel like they want guys that fit this new air raid type offense they're going to go to. And so a little bit under the radar, I think Levi's biggest offers were like maybe Iowa State and New Mexico. So USC offering a kid, I like it. You know, don't be a, you know, a star chaser. Some fans get all, why are we taking this three-star? Shoot, this, this kid can play and he fits their system. So uh, Tulini Levi, Coach Keith, is going to USC. I like it. You know, the stars, you got to be careful. You know, I researched, Greg, just very quickly. I want to add this. I researched in the Rivals recruiting ranking system, the top 12 recruits ever in Rivals ranking system, only one of them have been successful in the NFL. One. Out of the top 12 players that have ever been rated by Rivals, over the last, I don't know, how long they've been alive, Greg? 15 years, maybe? Long, long time. So out of the top 12, one has been successful in the NFL. You got to be careful with the star thing, especially in this day and time where a lot of these kids are jaded, man. They are jaded by these rankings, by the social media. I would give me a hungry three-star that wants to chew nails and crap steel versus a five-star who wants to play with sunglasses on in t-shirts and huh. shorts. I tell you that right now. No, the funny thing you mentioned that, and not, this is a UCLA hype, you know, video, but that is why Chip Kelly, you know, the only five-star guy he's, he's recruiting, Keith, is Bruce McCoy, who's you know probably the most humble, grounded five-star that I've ever seen. So. I think you got to be careful, you know, stars, obviously that's, that's our business, but it's, it's, uh, I've always say recruit to your system. So Absolutely. a five star for Alabama isn't maybe a five star in Washington state's offense. Right. Um, maybe not an off, you know, I, I, everyone has their own unique system. So I think, you know, it's proven. You look at the, the playoff every year and the, the four teams that are in the playoff for the most part are the teams that you can kind of go back and those are probably teams that finished in the top 10 in recruiting. So there is a correlation but every school is different. Every player is different. Every kid is unique. And your offense and defensive system is always unique. So uh, USC getting Tulane Levi uh, had a bunch of uh, visitors this past weekend. Flip watch, Keith. Uh-oh. Mace Funa was there on his official visit. So longtime Oregon commit. USC has never stopped recruiting Mace. A lot of people think that that might be a move for Mace is flipping over to USC from Oregon. Obviously, Oregon is, is recruiting him like crazy still, but just something to keep your eye on. And uh, USC also had Jonah Tawanu there on his official visit. So, wow, a big weekend. Yeah, a big weekend for USC. They also had, you know, a bunch of unofficial visitors. Chris Steele was out there. Uh, I think officially, Max Williams, who's rehabbing, uh, he took his official trip. Um, Keaton Slovis, the quarterback commit from Shadow Mountain, he was there. Uh, Keaton Christian, the committed kid from Madison, San Diego. So a lot of commits, but then some of those big name unofficial visitors. Uh, Drake Jackson also was there. Uh, I actually had Drake, I was about ready to crystal ball him to ASU, Keith, but he took that visit to USC, and now he seems like he's all back to confused and not sure where he's going to go again. So uh, the USC name and the brand it's really big because, you know, Drake was really feeling ASU, had some concerns about the coaching stability at USC. They bring him in. They talk, you know, just about the Trojan family, the networking, the academics, and, and now Drake is, is back to being probably 50-50. A couple other commitments. Uh, the Markham twins, Keon and Kiwan from Long Beach Poly, 
uh, no shock, committed to, uh, committed to Arizona State, staying with the ASU theme. Uh, and also, later today, which is today's Tuesday, uh, Willie Hart from Pittsburgh, a really good-looking athlete, slot receiver, corner. I think he's going to be recruited to play cover corner. Uh, we expect him to commit to ASU as well. So Willie Hart from Pittsburgh, California, for those from SoCal who don't remember him, he had some dynamic plays against Narbonne last year in the state championship game. So uh, Willie Hart would be a pretty solid pickup for ASU. Also, Trent Tompkins uh, from Central East in yes. Fresno, a quarterback. He committed to UC Davis to fighting Dan Hawkins. Is. So, mm-hmm. you know, Trent obviously values going and playing for maybe the, arguably the top coach in America, college or NFL, which is Dan Hawkins. Wow. He's picked up for UC Davis, <laughs> fighting Dan Hawkins' baby. And then uh, Isaiah Abdullah from L.A. Wilson, kind of a late bloomer, big athlete, jumbo athlete. Mm-hmm. Kind of could play some tight end, running back, yeah. linebacker, a lot of different spots, but he committed to Wyoming, so happy to see that. Had a pretty big decommitment, Keith. I think we all saw this one coming, but Jeremiah Cradell from Modern Day by uh, Ranch Cucamonga. Uh, he made it official. What was kind of in the uh, in the buzz for previous the previous weeks? He decommitted from Oregon. Uh, Oklahoma is coming in the house this week. He had Ole Miss last week, Arizona, with Coach Meadis trying to get a visit out of him. But right now, I think Oklahoma looks to be in a pretty good spot for Mr. Jeremiah Cradell. Another guy uh, who I have uh, making a commitment next week is Trent McDuffie from Saint John Bosco. Uh, Washington, Oregon, and Stanford are his finalists. I had him as a Stanford lean, but I changed my crystal ball key to the Washington Huskies. Wow. Jimmy Lake. Yeah, Jimmy Lake came in and, and really did a good job. And uh, God, I tell you what, man, that Washington secondary. Yeah, they, 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 really recruit, strong. They, they recruit that secondary as well as anybody in the country. I can tell you that. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. So a couple more players on, on flip watch, Keith. So Titus Polar, uh, longtime Colorado commit. Sure. Uh, he officially visited Cal over the weekend, and he loved it. Loved the visit to Cal. He's going to visit Wisconsin this week, and then he's going to probably decide, I would think, around signing day, which is December 19th. So Titus uh, hasn't heard, this was as of yesterday, hadn't heard from the new Colorado coach yet. Obviously, he just got the job. It's the... Uh, the DC from UGA. His name is escaped me. I want to say his last name is Tucker. Yeah, Mel Tucker. Defensive minded, yeah, Mel defensive Tucker. minded coach. Yeah, defensive minded coach. So right. you got to think Titus will, will definitely give them a hard look. But watch out for Cal right now for Titus Pullen. Also, Carl Jones from Bakersfield. Uh, he is a long time also uh, Colorado commit, but he visited Cal. He is going to visit UCLA this weekend, and all the buzz right now is that he is going to flip to UCLA sooner than later. So Colorado, man, struggling a little bit to keep some of those guys. And and uh, like I said, hopefully for them, uh, with this coaching hire to get that, get that staff in place, they can reel some of these guys in. You know, another guy uh, who's been a long-time CU commit, Tariq Luckett, he had Oregon DB coach Dante Williams in the house last night, mm. which was Monday night. Uh, he's going to probably visit Oregon in January. So uh, Oregon is starting to make a little bit of a push for Tariq. And they like him as a corner, a long six-one, six-two cover corner. I can so, see that. Uh, yeah, not as a receiver, but they like him on defense. They need some need some bodies, especially obviously Oregon is pushing hard for McDuffie and Steele. Uh, I don't see either of those two happening right now. So I think Trek Tariq Luckett could be a nice little fallback option. But a couple other guys who visited Cal, I mentioned Titus Toller, um, also uh, Blake Anzalato. Yep. Uh, the Jackhammer, right? Is that, is that your nickname the for The Jackhammer. Big Blake? Oh, yeah. Jackhammer. So he was there. 
um, officially already committed. Makai Polk already committed. He was there. Um, a couple guys that were uncommitted. Ty McCullough from Rancho Verde. Mm-hmm. Uh, big time receiver. 21 touchdowns this past year. So he took his official visit. I think Cal's in a good spot, but he had a Boise State home visit last night. Keith, I have yet to hear how that went, but uh, I could see this uh, dragging out a little bit. I know he wants to go see that blue turf in Boise this weekend. So if he takes that visit to Boise, I think all bets are off. I think Cal uh, is doing really well with him, but Boise State, I think he likes that passing offense right now. Then I also see Cal uh, in a really good spot. This kid also uh, officially visited El Camino Junior College receiver Trayvon Clark, mm-hmm. uh, elite receiver. Maybe the top, you know, one of the top two or three receivers in the Juco ranks. Um, Jeff MacArthur, who played at Cal, was, is his receiver coach at El Camino. So some, there's some Cal ties there, and I know he'd love that visit. I would be surprised if he does not commit uh, to Cal, again, probably sooner than later. Uh, UCLA, uh, mentioned them earlier, big weekend, kind of a little bit of a surprise visitor. Guy named, we mentioned earlier, Brew McCoy took an official visit, Keith, to UCLA. Obviously, Brew has been a, a longtime USC lean. Uh, Texas is doing a great job with him. Washington is hanging in there. But the family has always had a lot of respect for, for Chip Kelly and his program. And it is, it's kind of the quote I got from from talking to Big Horace. It was kind of, it's kind of funny was that Chip doesn't like five stars neither does Brew. You know, he just doesn't like those guys, how they act. And I get it, right? We, we all get how some of those guys act in a rather obnoxious kind of manner, which is kind of the opposite of how Brew carries himself. So the only real high-level Outside of Sean Ryan, the, that real, the top 100 type kid that they're recruiting is, is Brew McCoy. It's the longest of long shots. But I know the family always comes away saying, you know what? Chip is a genius. He's going to win there. He's going to turn it around. They, they listen to him. Um, you know, he loved the visit, spoke to his dad. They loved it, but it's still going to just be an uphill climb. Because again, talking about Brew, this is just a kid that was kind of just wired from an early age that you are going to go play for USC. There's you know, a lot of kids like that in Southern California where it's just almost like a birthright. You're going to USC really, really close with JT Daniels, Amon Ross, St. Brown. They got a ton of modern-day representation there. And now that it's official that Cliff Kingsbury is the new OC at USC, I know they're excited about that air raid defense and, and Brew going there and catching you know 80 balls and, and doing some big things there. So uh, UCLA also tripped in Duke Clemens who has been a, uh, a long-time commit. And then a couple of JUCO players, uh, Nick Figueroa from Riverside City College, elite defensive end, and then Daytona Jackson from College of the Desert. And then uh, mentioned Sean Ryan, his teammate, uh, long athletic outside linebacker defensive end, Kate Albright from San Juan Hills, 6'5", 210, uh, pretty good-looking pass rusher. Uh, and he took his official visit, and they went ahead and offered him a scholarship on that visit, Key. So I've been rambling you got any thoughts on anything that I just talked about? Yeah, I do, Greg. Most intriguing for me is that Oregon class, which is highly touted, a lot of hype around it, uh, filled with you know high-level football players, Greg. First Jeremiah Cradell. Could they lose a couple of those pieces, which would really diminish that class a little bit, Greg? You're talking about Jonah Tawanu. Big-time offensive tackle out of Narbonne. Uh, you talk about uh, the receiver. Excuse me, I'm not, not the receiver, but Mace Funa, the linebacker from Modern Day, sniffing around USC. 
that Oregon class has been it's been the top of the Pac-12 for a long time now. This 2019 Oregon class and you know, people like to boast and brag about it. It seems like it's taking a little bit of a hit right now. One domino has fallen. Could two more dominoes be fallen? Or can that staff hold this class together? That's going to be very interesting to watch down the recruiting stretch here. I don't know if we're going to get those answers, Greg, on the first signing period. Do you think this thing drags along? Excuse me. Do you think this thing drags along to the second signing period, which is in February? You know, most of the people in that class have said they do plan to sign early. So we'll see. I mean, the ultimate sign with the early signing period now is what it does is it, it, it gives both the college and other schools uh, a clear idea if the kid is solid or not. If you sign, obviously it's over. But if a kid does not sign, then you're basically telling the whole world, hey, I'm not sold just yet. Right. I want to still wait and see. You, you mentioned the guys that they Oregon lost. They also lost Jared Casey, who's a you know a pretty big time top 300 linebacker uh, out of Kentucky, who was a, a big pickup of need inside linebacker six three two twenty. Right now, I think people think he's probably going to lean toward Kentucky. So it wasn't just Cordell, uh, Jared Casey, who was a you know an early midseason commitment for them, and that was like I said uh, another guy who, who's decommitted from from the flock. So. Sure. You know, Oregon staff is a bunch of grinders. You know, they're going to work their, their butts off like like no one else. And they do have backup options for all these guys. But, uh, yeah, right now, if you're a Ducks fan, you are a little bit nervous. You definitely don't like hearing about Jonah Talanoo being on Oregon's campus. Not just this past weekend. He's been there about four or five times over the last couple of months. And, and Mace Funa, you don't like hearing that. You just It just kind of makes you nervous when you uh, know that your guys are out there. Sure. Floating around and sure. kind of no. like... Yeah. You know, it kind of just makes it a little bit nervous. So, um, but hey, just a, a couple, uh, a couple final things with uh, with recruiting. Um, Oregon State. Uh, they also had a, a pretty big weekend. A couple of their committed players, Teron Madison, is a kid who you know they're hoping they can kind of Oregon State. They can uh, kind of uh, catch fire twice. You know, last year with Demar Jefferson, he came in and little under the radar though you know out here we all knew how good he was but yeah, he really absolutely good. went out there and dominated I think they're hoping that for the same thing to happen with Toronto he took that visit uh, to Oregon State I think he's I think he's pretty locked in there and then also uh, tight end Luke Musgrave who's uh, one of the top players in Oregon uh, he also took his official visit out to Oregon State so um, Jonathan Smith trying hard to uh, keep that class together Achille Arnold is a player that I think Oregon State and Arizona State are both kind of keeping tabs on. I have heard a rumor that uh, Achille Arnold right now, the ASU offer was a, was a blue shirt offer, which mm-hmm. means you can't do uh, a home visit with him. Um, he would still sign, but it, it's kind of a weird situation. Yeah. He still comes in in the, in the fall, uh, but he counts as part of the 2020 class, not yes. the 2019 class. You kind right. of always have to treat him like a walk-on, yes. no home visits. No official visits. He can do an unofficial visit, which he's already done. So ASU was offering Achille a blue shirt. And then Oregon State, he had a great trip early on. Uh, but I know Oregon State is starting to fill up, too. So if you're Achille Arnold, man, you can't wait too long and drag your feet. Uh, and then, you know, all of a sudden that spot is no longer there. So yeah. uh, Utah State is still pushing probably the hardest for Achille Arnold, as is Colorado State. So um, keep your eyes on, on what happens with uh, the Mission Dejo standout.
Yeah, there's no and that's question. That's about it for me, Keith. That's about it for me right there. Yeah, Akili Arnold, big time player, Greg. No question. There should be something for him out there. But like you said, he can't drag his feet. Akili's got to kind of make up his mind and make a decision here. Yeah, I feel for the Oregon coaches. I know, I know that group, right? We know that group of guys, and we know how hard they work in recruiting. And to see some defections from that class, I know it hurts. And to see uh, guys sniff around other places, I mean, I get it. I didn't get it before. I didn't get it. I used to just see things as a player because I was once one. Now seeing things as a recruiter, oh, I get it. Totally get it. And, um, you know, good luck to that Oregon staff, man. I hope they're able to keep that class together, um, if at all possible. But thank you, Greg Biggins, for all your recruiting. Now it's time to move along, my man. We're talking Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, our sleeper of the week this week, a kid, Greg. Um, let me see, how did I get introduced to this kid? So, here's a quick story. A good friend of mine's, or I guess, I would, yeah, you call him a, a past associate of mine. So, um, I had a teacher back when I was in high school. His name was Mr. Coleman. He was like everybody's favorite. He was young. He was cool. So, you know, 20 years down the road, we kind of get back in contact. And uh, I'm a scout, and he's a dad, and his son is a ball player. His son's a freshman quarterback at St. Bernard's. And uh, I did an evaluation on his son. Good little football player, played freshman, played varsity as a freshman. He was a good, productive football player. He's got a bright future. Um, and then a woman contacted me about her son, who also who was referred to her to me by uh, Mr. Coleman, and uh, her name is Dr. Bree Cook. And so I took a look at her son. I said, okay, yeah, you know, I'll evaluate. It, absolutely, I took a look at his film. And I'm blown. I'm I'm shocked. The kid was really good. Not only was he really good. Um, he has projectable projectable tools at 6'2", 295, quick feet, explosive first step, very effective with his use of his hands, his ability to turn and run and redirect, um, to accelerate and close and finish on the football. He's a nose guard. He's, a, he's He would be a 3-4 nose guard if you ask me, or he might be a one technique and a 4-3 system. But Jassim Goodall, 6'2", 295, defensive tackle, with uh, exceptional quickness for a guy for a young kid his size, he does need a college strength and conditioning program to really um, develop his strength and his body and and get himself where he needs to be. But I think he is a uh, a non power five or high FCS guy. If you're a Montana State, um, if you're Eastern Washington, um, if you're a UNLV, you might take a sniff here, um, something like that. I think this kid. Because playing at St. Bernard's, you don't have the same developmental resources 
as a modern day as a Bosco, but I'll tell you, this kid is talented. He's big, he's quick, he's aggressive, he's terrific in pursuit. He's also a high-level student and the son of a doctor. High-character kid with a great GPA. So, Jocene Goodall, defensive tackle, senior, 2019. He needs something on the table. Hopefully, uh, some coaches are out there listening, and uh, this kid gets a sniff because he can play. And uh, they need to look at his tape. They need to look at his tape, GB. That's just what it is. So, congratulations, young man. Uh, you are this week's Transparent Truth. Sit and sleep, sleeper of the week. Let's move along. Sit and sleep, sleeper of the week. Good stuff. Good stuff. Love to hear the, the high-end academic kids get some love as well. Absolutely. No question. Let's move Jump right in and talk about some of these games from this past weekend. Yeah, please. yeah. What do we got, Greg? Babe, we had a, we had a pretty good, pretty good group of games. Pretty good group of games. Off, start, let's start off with the game that you watched, and it's in yes. parody: Narbonne and Cathedral Catholic. Yes. Uh, Cathedral Catholic held on for a twenty-four to twenty-one victory. Had a late field goal after they were up fourteen to zero. Narbonne drove the field, got to the ten-yard line. Jake Garcia, who had a huge game with 334 and two touchdowns, went to the corner of the end zone, interception, game over. Cathedral Catholic, led by the great running back, Sean Poma. Yeah. Break that game down, Keith. What'd you think? It was, it was a story of two different games, Greg, if you ask me. A story of two different games. So first off, Cathedral Catholic starts fast, right? Uh, yeah. They're running their wing T offense. Puma um, is is playing with his heart. He's running hard, Greg. He's breaking tackles. They're running the G play. Narbonne's having a difficult time with their unbalanced line. The G play is creasing off tackle. They're getting a great kick out by their off their front side offensive guard. They're getting the block down by the front side wing back. And Puma's coming off the butt of the tight end, and he's hitting the crease. Um, broke a couple long ones early. The backbreaker, I thought, in the first half. Narbonne, I believe they just scored. It made it, I, mean, uh, I want to say, 21-7 or 14. It was 14 nothing. Cathedral Catholic. I think Narbonne score made it 14-7. It's a minute to go in the first half, Greg. And Puma rips off an 80-yarder with a minute to go in the first half before halftime. So I think that made it kind of 21-7, if I remember correctly. Um, Narbonne did not look good defensively in that first half. It seemed like they didn't have a clue how to stop that wing T offense. Puma, as we know, Greg, is a very good football player. That Cathedral Catholic, they run a very efficient wing T offense. And if you give him creases, he has a type of speed at that fullback position to take it to the house. And he did so uh, twice in that first half. Narbonne comes out second half. They're a little bit more motivated. They kind of tighten up the loose screws defensively. They're playing a little faster, a little bit more physical on the defensive front. Jake Garcia gets going and gets in rhythm in the passing game. They matriculate the ball down the field. And uh, before you know it, I think it's a tied-up game, maybe 21-21 or something like that. I don't remember the exact score. Yeah, yeah, yep. And Cathedral Catholic, they come back, and they, they're driving the ball. Puma gets hit in a hole on one play. On the replay, slow motion, Greg, I think he fumbled that ball before he hit the ground. But they called him down. Yeah, so Narbonne, I saw that replay Yeah, Sports Unlimited, yeah. Yeah, so Narbonne doesn't get it. Uh, sequentially, Cathedral Catholic, they go down and score on a field goal. Makes it 24-21, I believe. Narbonne gets the ball back. 
again, Garcia's in rhythm. He looks good throwing the pill. And a play occurs where he throws the ball. And it's, I mean, he literally, it wasn't a good decision. I'll say that. It wasn't a good decision. Well, should have been picked off. Ball was dropped by the defense. And I remember saying to myself, uh-oh, I think he's going to throw the ball to the other team. And then the next play, he was picked off. Um, tried a, a ball in kind of the corner of the, the corner pocket of the end zone, the front corner pocket of the end zone. Uh, too many guys in the same place. I've heard rumors that a wrong route was run or was ran. And uh, Cathedral Catholic guy went up and made a great catch, high pointed the football, got his feet in bounds, and closed the game out. So Cathedral Catholic moves on to a state championship game. They knock off Narbonne, a Narbonne team, Greg, that was absolutely loaded with talent. Loaded. Players everywhere. Cathedral Catholic, good high school football team. I think Narbonne's probably pretty disappointed. In shock that they lost. Congratulations, Cathedral Catholic. They got the job done, and they're moving on to Cerritos College, GB. Yeah, I mean, I saw Cathedral live at the Honor Bowl when they played Sarah, and, you know, they have a, a really big offensive line. So, you know, athlete for athlete, no way are they as talented as a lot of Southern Section schools, Narbonne, obviously LA City Section, Sarah. But that offensive line and that system can kind of make up for, um, you know, a lack of similar athletes. And Sean Poma, for those who haven't seen this kid, he's 5'7 on a good day, right? He's probably 5'7 with his cleats on. But he's 190 pounds and he's thick and he hits that hole really, really quick. And the wing T offense, you know, Narbonne played them two years ago. I thought that was going to give him an edge in the sense that they've actually already seen and know how to kind of prepare. Uh, but the kid ran for 246. Uh, 164 of those yards were in the first half. So they did a much better job in the second half, kind of yeah. holding him down. And and like you said, uh, you know, Narbonne, kind of like last year when we saw him against Pittsburgh in the state game, kind of a slow start, and they kind of pulled away in the second half. This this game seemed to be on, on a similar slant where, you know, slow start for Narbonne, drive down the field and have a chance at the 10-yard line, uh, you know, kick the field goal to tie it or shoot, go for the win. Um, I, I would say, man, I'd go for the win. I love going for the win at the high school level. It's high school. Just you always go for the two-point conversion. Always go for the win if you have a chance. Um, not going to call out anybody's names, but I, I watched the video of the final play as I was at In-N-Out Burger. I was taking my lovely wife to see Wicked that night. I recommend that for you, Keith, if you're, I think your wife would love it. It's kind of a cool little deal. Mm-hmm. I always thought the Wicked Witch of the West got a, a bad rap. I think you'll <laughs> see her in a new light. You'll see her in a new light after you see the show. Okay. But, uh, I thought the receiver in question, I don't think it was the primary target, but I still thought the kid could have went up and made a play on the ball. Um, watching that video over and over, I was getting, I was a little bit frustrated saying, why did this guy even raise his hand? Because he was trying to head the ball like a soccer player. He didn't even raise his hand to catch it. So Narbonne obviously will be back. They are extremely loaded in the underclassmen ranks. And you know, with free agency season now wide open, Narbonne, uh, people always want to kind of pick on Jay Sarah and Modern Day and St. John Bosco, but Narbonne probably reeled in more guys this past year than anybody else. So Narbonne will be back, but hey, congrats to Cathedral Catholic. Uh, congrats to Sean Palma and DJ Ralph and the staff over there. Man, they, that's a good football team. They always come to play and 
uh, you know, they, they will be in the state game this weekend. So, or next weekend, I think it is. So, congrats to them. No question about it. Congrats to them. Let's move along, Greg. What we got next? Yeah, moving on. So, uh, we had another big game. It involved Upland and Sierra Canyon. And this was kind of a little bit of irony in the sense that, you know, I think Upland benefited the week before when they played Rancho Verde. Uh, Ranch Verde was playing without their starting quarterback, their starting running back, their best receiver, uh, when they're starting offensive linemen. This week it was Upland, Keith, that was just banged up. Um, neither Davis played. Cam Davis, Taj Davis, they were both out. And then Justin Flo got ejected. That was a, a video that was probably, uh, you probably saw on Twitter, kind of went viral, where, you know, he kind of got uh, knocked down a little bit late. Yeah. He stepped up and punched the guy in the face mask and, and got ejected for that. So, this is what you call a call a pitcher's duel, Keith. It was seven to three, yeah. which uh, that's a lot of defense, or you could say that's some ugly offense. But either way, man, Sierra Canyon showing the physicality to play with the big boys. It's a D three team playing Upland, who was a D two champion, and so to go and play uh, a level up, and not just to win, but just to win in the in the manner that they did, holding the Upland to to just three points. That's really hard to do. Even without some of the Upland key weapons, you know, Cam Davis and, and Taj Davis, you know, Upland still has dudes, right? We saw it the week before. Cameron came, was hurt. Cam Davis was hurt that game. Young Devin comes in and, and runs for, you know, 100 plus yards. So uh, this week, not much running room against that Sierra Kenyon defense. You know, Chaden Perry was 13 for 20, made enough plays to kind of move the ball a little bit. But all you got to say is that defense for Sierra Kenyon was lights out, and it, and it has been lights out all throughout the playoffs. Great non-league schedule, got them prepared, and they survive in advance. They are going to move on and play in the state game. So, nice job by Sierra Kenyon. Got an easy team to root for, man. I, I like the way they play and the way they handle themselves and the coaching staff over there. So, Sierra Canyon with a big win over Upland High School, Keith. Yeah, got some things to say about this one, Greg. And, 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 and put your seatbelt on. Number one, I do not know the injuries of Taj and Cam Davis. And obviously they had to be injured and not hurt. Very significant for those two guys not to play. It did affect Upland tremendously offensively. That team, they do have players, but those are their two big guns on offense. Without those two guys, they were going to suffer. Young Deadman uh, couldn't got bottled up, couldn't do enough against that tough Sierra Canyon defense. So Sierra Canyon, they earned that win. Um, love Justin Flo. We we talk about all the time. He plays with that edge. He's on he's on he's at that borderline between you know super edgy and a little crazy. Um, <laughs> but you can't do that, Flo. You can't get up and punch a guy. He hit if he hit you late. Uh, see, I wasn't there. I didn't hear the whistle. I don't know the whistle. I've I've seen the video. But if the guy knocks you down late, you, you know, let the referee call the penalty. You don't have to punch the guy. That's that's not. You can't take, you know, revenge or into your own hands. This is a, your team needs you. You are the leader of the team. It's a selfish move to go punch a guy. And I know it's just flow reacting, but that's a selfish move to go punch a guy and get kicked out. And I know he probably didn't think he would get kicked out. It didn't look as if it was a punch. It looked like he more or less pushed him really hard. Um, but. That's what the referees called, and, and Flo has got to be more cognizant. He's got to have more presence of mind to know that he's the team leader. 
team captain, he can't allow himself to get put in that position and make those types of decisions. Hopefully this becomes a learning lesson for Flo and um, he grows from this. He grow, it's a it's a teachable moment, not just for him, but for all athletes and just people in general, Greg. You cannot make impulse decisions. You cannot fly off the handle. You have to remain composed and act accordingly in all walks of life. So, um, and, and then lastly, I think I think the kid Carlin, the offensive lineman who got kind of got into it with, I think he's getting a bad rap. A lot of people, Greg, following Justin Flo on the bandwagon, calling the kid out because he posted the video saying Flo who. I didn't have much of an issue with Carlin did. I didn't have much of an issue with it, Greg. I thought he was blocking. I thought he was blocking to the e- the echo of the whistle. Was it late? That's debatable. But I'm not going to fault a guy for playing hard. I'm not going to fault a guy for trying to finish. Especially versus the best linebacker in the country, how do you fault that guy? No, but, I don't. I don't think anyone. Not to cut you off, I don't think anyone has an issue with him finishing and playing hard and being physical. I think the issue is with him posting the video and saying "flow who." That that's where people are kind of coming in and saying, "Really, you're you're popping off. You're bragging about this. You're trying to get clout off another kid. You don't have a name, so therefore you're trying to use Justin Flo's name to elevate yourself." Nobody has an issue with the play itself. It was him posting it and saying "flow who" that kind of irked some some of the boys out there. That's how I, that's how I interpreted it. Okay, so I mean, let me ask you a question. Uh, you have a son, AJ, yeah. and I, I don't I don't mean to put a personal reference in here, but I just I want to kind of get it to hit home and make sense. Um, you have a son; he's a soccer player, and. I mean, let's just imagine, hypothetically, he's playing soccer against the top high school kid in the country, and they're in a tournament, and you're filming, right? And he shakes this kid and hits a goal. And he and and are you going to say, hey, don't post you shaking this kid and hitting the goal and saying, you know, Ronaldo who? Isn't that okay? Yeah, he would He would never do that. No, I, 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 I don't think that would – I mean, I don't have an issue – as much with it, honestly, Keith. Okay. Like, I get. I think people get offended way too easily. You know my, my stance on yeah, that. I think sure. people on Twitter look for reasons to get angry. Sure. So I don't have an issue with what the kid did, but I. Mm-hmm. I but if you're going to put that out there, then you need to expect people to have, you know, to come back at you. Yeah. So again, if my kid rips a 30 yard banger, which he did actually did um, yesterday, uh-huh. um, and you know rips it back of the net goal, yeah, you you celebrate. But you don't post about the other team's goalie and say, I just embarrassed, you know, Joe Slappy, you know, Joe Slappy who? Right. Like, he would he would never do that. I would not allow him to do that. I'd say, dude, be humble. You know, that's kind of how we like to try to live our lives as, right. you know, godly Christian men. Um, and I think, but I don't have an issue with somebody who does do that. So I don't have an issue with what he did. But I also don't, don't have an issue with the backlash because he, the kid brought it upon himself. So I have no issue with, with the with the with the, either with side, the, right? With the play, right? I right. He made a good football play. Yeah, he put flow on his back. Right. No issue with that. I think, like you said, I think Justin overreacted, and I think with Justin, he's got a reputation for being, you know, a little volatile. So I I would not be surprised at all if at some point during the game, you know, maybe the coaches from Sierra Canyon or. Maybe alerted. Hey, watch out for this guy. Number whatever Justin's number. I am horrible with 10, numbers. Ten. Watch out for number ten. Right. Watch out for number ten. 
right. know, he's coming at us late. Right. They were probably already watching Justin flow. Everyone knows how Justin plays. I love how he plays, but he plays through the whistle. He plays on that edge. So when he does anything, I, I did thought it was a punch, maybe an open hand. Yeah. But it was still a, it wasn't a push. It was a direct, you know, decent hit to the face mask. Okay. Rep is right there. Saw it. You know, Justin, you're out of here. So, um, I thought Justin, you got to watch himself because people are watching you very, very closely. But outside of that, I didn't have an issue with, you know, anything else. I, I thought the tweet was kind of weak, but I don't care that much. But I don't really think the backlash was, was unwarranted either. Okay. That's fair enough. Um, I just I just know how people can be followers. Oh, dude. Heck yeah. <clears throat> you know, that's the issue I have. Just come on. Really? But, you know, nevertheless, Sierra Canyon gets the win. They earn yeah. the win. They take down Upland. They're in the state finals. That's what should be celebrated, you know, on one side. And then at the, on, you know, on the flip side, Upland had a great season. That should be celebrated. And they'll look to bounce back next year and try to get to a state championship game. So uh, No doubt. Let's move along. What else we got? Hey, let's talk about Jordan Wilmore because that's what he did this past weekend. Lawndale continues to roll, knocked off undefeated South Hills 42-14 to in the Division 2A bowl game. Jordan Wilmore, 269 yards and three touchdowns, Keith. That Lawndale team, you know, you, you, you got to love them. They are really balanced. Um, Jordan got, you know, was out for a little bit and you know, they had to find another guy and Jalen Daniel stepped in, Narbon transfer, stepped in at quarterback and he ran the show. He got confidence. Now Jordan came back in. They continue to have two dynamic weapons on offense. Daniels had a had a big game, uh, threw for over one sixty, rushed for over a hundred. Uh so that's shoot, you got a quarterback that that can kill you with the ground game and with his arm. That's that's tough to defend. Uh had a couple touchdowns as well. So Londell finished thirteen and two. Uh, I think the two losses were one was to Narbonne and one was to, to another team that was was really, really good. Um, I want to say it might have been Westlake. So, nice job. You know, Travis Clark, again, I said it before, you won't find a nicer human being. So, if you want to find someone to, to root for, you got to root for Travis. And that Lawndell program, you know, before he got there, nobody even really knew what Lawndell was. People knew about Lusinger, but right. Lawndell was, was not a program that people talked much about. Just fast forward a few years later, Travis got him rolling. Uh, they were a, a number two seed last year, kind of dropped early. This year they rally, go all the way, win NCF championship game. Now they want a Southern California regional bowl game. They're, now, they're playing for a state game. So, you know, they got dudes. They got, you know, defensively, they really did a great job on South Hills. So again, I'll say it again, South Hills was undefeated and really, really strong and really well-respected uh, in that area where they come from. High-octane offense. And to hold them to just 14 points while scoring 42, uh, nice job by Lawndale. Uh, really happy for those guys. And like I said, I'm really, really excited for Travis. Yeah, no question. Travis Clark, one of the better guys in the coaching profession here um, in the Southern section. Jordan Wilmore, you know, had a feeling he was going to go off, Greg. He's one of those guys that he's he's blood and guts, man. He's going to lay it on the line. He's going to get the job done uh, when the job calls for it. And he uh, he blows it up versus a South Hills team that just could not keep up athletically, which I thought would be the difference, was the difference. So congratulations to Londell moving on to the state games and holding down the South Bay after Narbonne got knocked out by Cathedral Catholic. What we got, so Jimmy? So let's go. I don't know. Did we talk? Did we preview uh, Grace Brethren in St. Augustine last week Yes, at we all? did. Yes, we did. 
Um, so it was Grace Brethren once again surviving and advancing domination uh, with that ground game being physical 20 to 14 again St. Augustine is a really good team in San Diego people you know know about their history they always got players at St. Augustine it's uh, a lot of it's a traditional power in that San Diego area so um, but Grace Brethren man uh, real deal Keith as a program and we said it last week and they lost so many dudes that were really good players and all the guys that transferred out, this isn't a shot, but all the guys that transferred out, guess what? They're not playing anymore. And Grace Brethren is still playing for one more week in a state game. I think those state games are going to be in two weeks, not next week. I think this week might just be modern day because of the, the, the fires up north. But uh, Oh, my goodness. Really? Grace Brethren, Keith, yeah. just keeps rolling. I mean... These guys are good. It's a great program. Josh Henderson, phenomenal coach, doing what he did. Um, speaking of Josh Henderson, there's a Josh Henderson on the team. Uh, rushed for 161 yards and three touchdowns. He was the he was their main dude uh, this week. Wasn't Diggs. It was Josh Henderson. Uh, gritty, gutty, tough team. Defensively, they stepped up. They played really well. And uh, big time. Big time win. And a big time program who's I'm not sure what division they're in. I think what were they division five? I believe five. Yeah. So they're gonna at least get bumped to D four, if not even higher than that. And they're on their way to, to, to moving on up. And uh, yeah, great for them. Nice, nice win for those guys. Yeah. Listen, this this is this is big for Grace. You talking about back to back state title games? You know, if they're in division five, they need to move into division three, Greg. You go yeah, back-to-back absolutely. state titles game, you need to move up two divisions. Yeah. yeah. They've done a nice job, and congratulations to the Fighting Lontrell Diggs over there. And uh, Grace Brethren, back in the state championship game, trying to avenge last year's loss. I got a feeling, Greg, just like Londale, you gotta, you kind of got to go and lose before you go and win it. Because it's just going to mean that much more to you because you know what that losing feels like. Once you mm-hmm. kind of arrive, Londell knocked out early in the playoffs last year in the state championship game this year. Grace Brethren loses in the state finals last year up north in Sacramento. This year, they're kind of staying down here in Southern California, be it Cerritos. I think they get it done. We'll talk about that more on Friday's matchup show. Greg Biggins, it's time to bring this baby to a close. We appreciate you guys for joining us out there. It's the Transparent Truth, the number one high school football podcast in America. Don't let nobody tell you differently. Nobody does it like we do it. Join us Friday. The matchup show is going to be live. State finals. Talking modern day De La Salle. Rematch of last year's state championship. But two distinctly different squads going head to head. And I think things are going to get interesting, Greg Biggins. And we will talk about that Friday. Without further ado, there's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.